Hi, I'm John Quinones, and this is What Would You Do? Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Soul Soup. I'm Margot Sidlin, and you can find Soul Soup on Instagram at soulsouppod or on Substack at soulsoup.substack.com. And without further ado, I want to introduce today's episode. I'm really excited to welcome my sister, Samantha, onto the podcast today. She and I had an amazing conversation about everyone's favorite buzzword, boundaries. I think that boundaries are something we talk about all the time. When to set them, when to uphold them, when they've been violated. But we don't always talk about how we even know what our boundaries are. I think that this felt like an important conversation to me because in my 20s, I have been thinking a lot about how to establish boundaries. And I think that it's easier said than done. My sister is someone who I thought was really excellent to have this conversation with, partly because of who she is and how she takes up space in this world. She is someone who leads with a lot of love and also is someone who I see as very strong. And I really admire the way that she navigates relationships. So part of my inspiration for having her on this episode was because she is so much my role model. But I also wanted to have her on the podcast for this episode because of her professional background. Samantha is about to start a master's of social work this fall, which is very exciting. Congratulations to her. Um, But even before this leg of her career, she has had years of experience of helping people navigate health, well-being, and relationships. She explains her career background a bit at the start of the episode, so that's all I'll say for now. But we had a really interesting and enlightening conversation that I personally found profoundly meaningful and that I've been thinking about a lot since we talked. So I really hope that you as the listener can find some value in this conversation as I did. And if you did, I encourage you to share this with your friends, your loved ones, and people in your life who you think might benefit from hearing some more about how to set and maintain healthy boundaries with self and with others. Without further ado, I'm going to get right into the episode. It's a good one. Thank you so much for listening. I think you're going to reject me saying this a little bit, but I feel like you're my first expert guest on the pod. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely reject that. Um, I have some experience in the work world on this topic for sure but I wouldn't consider myself I don't know what you what you need to get to expert status but I don't know either and that would be a great question for a different pod but I think a good place to start would be talking about that work experience so maybe you could share what you do and the kinds of uh, workshops that you've run with your students and just your general background in like health and relationship education. Okay, sure. Well, um, I got my degree at the University of Oregon in global health and development. And um, so I've always been really interested in how people work. So um, the research I was involved in and the things that really captured my attention were a lot of like medical anthropology, cultural anthropology, 
lenses and as well as sociology um, and understanding how that impacts like human bodies in real time, like how our experiences impact us and how that affects how we move about this world in a lot of different ways. That's really broad because I've done a lot of different things with those things in mind. Two things I did during my time um, at University of Oregon was work for the University Health Center, specifically for their wellness center, um, which was for um, undergraduate, graduate students, as well as faculty and staff to access resources on campus and learn a little bit more about what well-being really looks like. I was specifically focused on sexual health when I worked um, for the Wellness Center. So there were a lot of different things that the Wellness Center focused on. Um, my job as a coordinator was specifically to focus on sexual well-being. I um, took that in like a um, like safer sex practices way, healthy communication way, consent, those types of topics. Office of the Dean of Students has the sexual assault prevention education team, and I um, was hired seasonally for them and would specifically work with all incoming students to go over a mandatory training related to healthy relationships, consent, um, boundaries, all those types of things. Um, so that was a condensed training that was delivered in 90 minutes. Um, over the course of three years, I worked with um, hundreds of students, I'd say, and I also, with the Wellness Center, worked with all incoming students during the orientation as well, promoting sexual health resources on campus. Um, so that's inclusive of like what the health center could provide, how to um, communicate with partners, how to navigate challenging situations all the way to what to do if somebody has been harmed um, and every, everything in between. So that was my um, university experience. Right now, I work for a large healthcare organization. It's technically a federally qualified health center, and I work on a Title X um, for a Title X funded clinic. Um, specifically, I work with people between the ages of 12 to 29. Um, I do that in a clinic as well as in schools. So um, I'm a, work in two school districts, primarily in middle and high schools, and then also do clinical health education around um, reproductive health and family planning. So um, that's things like birth control, STIs, um, STI testing and treatment, um, condom negotiation. Um, again, that, that topic of harm comes up as well um, in my job. The thing I was really hoping to dig into today, there's so much about your work that I think we could talk about, but one thing that I've been particularly interested in when listening to you tell stories about your work and, and just hearing about the kinds of things you're doing, especially with um, your students, is just this topic of boundaries. And I think that it's such a buzzword topic in the 2020s. Like we talk about all sorts of things like well, he violated a boundary, so we're done. You know, you know that's like such a common thing that you hear, mm -hmm. but that's not something that I think is actually as black and white as it's presented to be. I, I think there's just so much more nuance there. And I also think that there are few sexual health programs, at least that I encountered, I should say, that really emphasized 
what healthy relationships look like. Um, so much of the conversation mm-hmm. around healthy relationships in sexual health programs and stuff like that really is like, are you being abused? And if you're being abused, here's what that looks like and maybe what you can do, which is great, should be talked about. But boundaries extend so much further beyond that. There's so much more nuance there. And one thing that has made me really excited is that you've incorporated conversations around boundaries with your students. And I think it's so exciting. Like I I love the prospect of being such a young student, learning that so early on and learning that you're, even if you're a child still, you are deserving of respect and you are deserving of Mm -hmm. um, all of those kinds of things in your relationships. But that's not something that everybody benefited from being educated about. So I wanted to talk with you about that. I want to hear about the kinds of things you do with your students as it relates to boundaries. And I wanted to get into the weeds of like what it means to be particularly, I think, um, in your 20s, like you're at the the very beginning of your adult life in so many ways. I think it's such a learning uh, season of life about yourself, about your own boundaries, about how you want to enforce those things. Um, And so I just wanted to gab about how we go about doing that and the kinds of things that you've observed sure. in yourself as a result of this kind of teaching. So we can parse that mm-hmm. out of it, but maybe start by talking about what you say to your students around boundaries. That is a good place to start. I have things to say on all the different <laughs> things that you mentioned there. Talking about boundaries, it, it depends on what age group I'm working with and also where I'm working with them. A little bit about how the boundaries come in because um, the nature of the area I live in and the type of work that I do is that boundaries can be about interpersonal relationships. It could also be about um, working relationships. A lot of the students I work with um, are employed in some capacity or need to be earning money for for their families. Um, So that means I also have to talk about things um, with the lens of like human trafficking being involved too. That's also really prevalent in the area I work in. Boundaries at home, boundaries at school. What I try really hard to do is emphasize that intuition. Um, I talk about intuition a lot with my students, regardless of where we are and what we're talking about. Talk about intuition um, and I talk about values. And I do that, I particularly emphasize values with my um, students in my program. But I do that because I think growing up, kids are often taught to rely on adults for knowing the way. Um, what does that mean when an adult that you trust violates that in some way? And then what does that mean when you are taught over time to question your own thoughts or gut feelings around something Um, and when you put in the layer of like all the social media presence that exists nowadays um, that that adds another layer of complexity into like how do we trust ourselves to know what is or is not okay for me Um, so in the classroom um, I kind of introduced these ideas but you know talking about like that we are all born with this gut feeling and it's all unique to us because we're all all different people. So what's comfortable for one person might be another person's worst nightmare. There's an activity that I'll do with students where I give out a worksheet that um, 
kind of outlines like different scenarios and somebody says it sounds like me this doesn't sound like me um and then like there's like an option in the middle like so it's kind of like a agree disagree maybe type of um way of responding to a statement um I passed that out um most of these are sexual or relationship oriented type statements and then I'll pass that out distribute it and then um, it's anonymous. I collect them and then redistribute and then we move around the room to kind of reflect like the differences regarding those types of statements. And one I always point out as an example is um, like uh, the, the statement is something like I I always like to be like cuddling while watching TV at home or something like that. And um, so inevitably the room divides up. There's some people that are like completely agree with that and some people that completely disagree with that. And then like one of my prompts with that is like, okay, so what if someone from the completely disagree group was dating someone from the completely agree group? What problems might come up there? And we tease that out a little bit. Um, and we'll talk about things like, well, for the completely agree person, it might be like completely second nature for them to be touchy like that. So they may not even think, you know, that maybe the person they're with finds that to be uncomfortable for them or is something that they need to be building up to in some capacity. And for somebody who might not be as assertive about their boundaries or doesn't want to hurt somebody's feelings or, and, you know, we talk about barriers to communication around boundaries a lot too in these types of conversations, but like whatever that barrier might be, maybe they're not speaking up for themselves. And so, you know, how, how do we prepare ahead of time to communicate about our boundaries and the big way to do that is often to learn about them with that being said adolescence you know middle school high school early 20s is all a time of discovery so another thing I often acknowledge with students is sometimes we don't know that we even have a boundary until it's something that's been crossed in our in our lives in some way and sometimes that's that's how we learn that something is or is not okay with us. Sometimes that's through healthy experimentation. And sometimes that's through um, something that could be more harmful or more coercive. Um, and then where do we go from there? So we have conversations around that too. Yeah, I love that so much. And I was thinking about just at the beginning when you were talking about teaching them how to listen to their intuition that is so powerful I think that's something that I still really struggle with like I think I find it really challenging sometimes to tap into my intuition and I think it's one of those mm -hmm. things where when you didn't learn that when you're so young there are things that come in and cloud your intuition or or teach you to distrust it in some ways I'm sure that that's especially true with um people who have experienced sexual assaults and and stuff like that you know there's that rhetoric of what maybe you feel you did wrong to get into that position or something like that which of course is a whole other thing to unpack um but you know you hear that all the time about like I'm learning to trust myself I'm learning to trust my intuition and I find that so challenging to do because I don't think that I was taught that that's one of the most important things you can do is listen to your gut. And it's true that when you do listen to your gut, it's almost always right. Um, I don't know that I can think of any examples in my life of it being wrong. And I think that's such a great concept to connect to 
boundaries too, because one thing that I know I've been thinking about a lot in this particular season of life and I'm I'm kind of struggling with figuring out is what even are my boundaries? Like I'm I'm not Mm -hmm. even sure sometimes what to enforce, let alone how, right? But I don't always know what's going to feel good. And so I've been in a place of, I think, self-observation and trying really hard to Mm -hmm. have moments with myself when my nervous system is regulated, when like my heart rate is down, like when I'm in that moment of like true calm that I can reflect back on my day and think like, what did or didn't feel good about that? What's the thing that brought me into a position where maybe I was feeling dysregulated to begin with? You know, what's mm-hmm. what's a miss here? And kind of doing it almost like a reverse detective <laughs> sort of a thing, yeah. because it's really hard for me to figure out what's impacting me in that way. And, and you can't figure out how to solve it until I think you figure out the why. I mean, you can come up with some interim solutions, and- of course, but you know, that's why I, I talk about values a lot, too, because I think um, when we understand what our core values are, there's hidden messages there about what's important to us and how that guides our behavior. Um, and so it's kind of like if you, you take an example and you kind of zoom out around that, it's like somebody who is really influenced by peer pressure might really value community or might really value acceptance. And so how is their behavior being modeled by that? And that's not to say that anytime somebody experiences peer pressure or um, gives into peer pressure, that that's always a values-based decision. In fact, like usually I'd say, especially with younger people, it's, it's not like there's not that level of awareness there, but that's why I try to bring that piece in because if it's like, okay, well, I know what's important to me. Does this serve that or does it not? Um, kind of gives you some like a framework to kind of think through decision making um, sometimes um, that's also more centered on the person's individuality um, rather than looking like kind of what you're like I think we um, a lot of times look to other people to know like okay this thing happened do you think it's weird or am I the only one that thinks it's weird totally to get that validation right um and that there's definitely something powerful and and feeling that validation but I also encourage my students to think like if it was weird to you you don't need to ask another person if it was weird because it was weird to you and that's all that really matters um the people in your life that love you and respect you will hear that something felt weird to you and they're not going to try to convince you that it wasn't. Yeah. Generally. Totally. Right. Yeah. I love that too. The framing of values, because I think boundaries gets framed so much as self-protection and a lot of the time it is. Um, But that feels like it opens that framing of it being around values opens the door to boundaries, not just being about how we're responding to crisis or that disruption of of um, the boundary, it also feels like it's it brings it into the preemptive, um, and that's mm-hmm. something I want to talk about too. If you're ready to to segue, um, I did want to talk about sort of the enforcement of boundaries before the fact versus after. I challenge people to think about that. Not every time we set a boundary is it a high stakes situation. We're actually like continuously 
exploring our boundaries all the time or just not necessarily thinking about things as a boundary um it's as simple as like do I have that energy to go out tonight or do I want to stay in do I want cheese on my chipotle bowl or not you know like they're not all high stakes things it's related to preferences limitations and there's um not always such a deep why as to why something matters to us sometimes it's just like this is what I'm feeling like right now or this is what I'm not and that can't always require an explanation um or maybe maybe not that it can't require but sometimes we don't know it and that's also totally allowed and then the other piece of like boundaries being something that is constantly fluid and changing and developing in our life and so another thing I talk about with my students is like you might be completely okay with this thing in this situation or with that specific person but then you change that up in some way and now it's the same scenario new person involved you might have a completely different boundary in that in that circumstance so boundaries are very complex in that way and like you're saying it's definitely like a hot topic word right now and I see all these other like the word toxic gaslighting all these things are like super major buzzwords right now I hear them in the classroom all the time and they're often um, misunderstood like most people will use those kinds of words and not necessarily know what they're assigning those words to mm-hmm. so I'm like yes that behavior may be toxic but it's also this thing like maybe it's also sexual harassment And like, let's distinguish a little bit more about like what those different things are. Um, I think a big part of the education is like providing opportunity for critical thinking around these types of things. um, So we can all hold each other accountable and create safer communities for one another. Like we all have to be involved in this. Um, And like you said earlier, it really all comes down to like fundamental respect um for others yeah and for oneself yeah that was interesting because it made me think about um when you're saying like not all boundary setting is high stakes and unpacking some of the language that we assign to things again I think that the language of boundaries of toxic gaslighting all the examples you used these are things that we look at as so binary like someone is toxic or they're not um but when you're thinking about the values that are going into people's decision-making and um, the complexity of human relationships and the lack of communication that often exists. Of course, there are going to be people who can act with toxicity or or especially with what for you is going to be toxic, right? But I think that- Right, like what's maybe toxic between two people may not be in another scenario, another relationship. And and. Adding the space, as you said, for the critical thinking, I think also creates space for empathy. And one thing that I Mm -hmm. sincerely believe is that the vast, vast majority of people are going through their lives attempting to do what they think is right or what's right for themselves. And the framing of that might be skewed from what we think is the right way to operate. But I I sincerely believe that there are few people in the world walking around intending to do massive harm. Um, I think we mm-hmm. hear about those people quite a bit because it's so shocking to our um, our social system when that happens. Um, but I think that the vast majority of people we are 
engaging frequently in relationships with are attempting to do what they think is right, even if that does inadvertently harm us. And I think creating that Mm -hmm. space for empathy to say, okay, this person did something that I didn't like that did not feel good to me. I can self-protect. I can, you know, change the environment for myself, but I also don't have to label them as abusive or toxic because maybe they were reaching out in a in a way that I didn't like, but was coming from a place of need or was coming from a place of, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And we, of course you would, that would apply to whatever case you're talking about. It, it varies so much, but like the opening up that complexity of human relationship, I think creates a lot of empathy, which is so important because as you say, like lowering the stakes a little bit when talking around boundaries, like not everybody's intentionally trying to harm you. You're not on the defense from right. the world. Like, again, I, I use that one example. I point that one example out with students a lot of like, it might be second nature for another person to grab another person's hand. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to assume best intent for some from somebody, but we're allowed to say this is or isn't okay with me. Like, we're still allowed to tap into ourselves and be like, this person might have the best intentions in the whole wide world, might be the most loving. That doesn't mean the way they're showing that is something I um, I like, and that's okay. Um, the next step then is determining, like, am I open to going a little outside of my comfort zone on this? Or is this something that feels like it's jeopardizing my personal safety? And that also is like a question that might determine how people negotiate a boundary. Um, if it's a safe person, then maybe there's room for experimentation in some way, um, especially when we're talking about like sexual things. Where it's like, okay, maybe I do want to try something. Is this a safe person though? That if it turns out I'm not not vibing with this, like I I can change my mind and they're gonna hear that um, and respect that, you know. So again, there's there's so many layers, um, and I would say it's something that I still. I'm constantly learning about all the time as well that through my own experience, it helps me bring more to um, like the work that I do and like hearing it's mutual learning too. I hear from students about things all the time that kind of um, change the way that I see how these things all interconnect as well. Totally. And yeah, you haven't heard this episode because it's not out yet, um, but I just finished up um making an episode with my friend Megan where we talk about love and friendship and and different sorts of uh, relationships. And one of the things that we talked about a lot was like with love languages, wanting to communicate your love or care for someone in a way that's meaningful to them and not just a way that's meaningful to you. And how sometimes you feel like you maybe you have to, like, for example, if you're a physical touch person and your friend isn't one, you have to maybe step a little outside your comfort zone and try to be an acts of service person in that relationship because you want that person to feel loved. And I think it's really interesting to explore that on this flip side with boundaries um, because in order to act in that way, in order to say, okay, my friend isn't a physical touch person. I'm going to do some acts of service. You have to know that person's comfort level. And it kind of I think presupposes that that person has communicated to you, I'm not a physical touch person, please don't touch me, which may not have been communicated. And and so there is like this degree of what feels like 
mind reading is maybe needed sometimes Mm. like or I think let me clarify that I think sometimes we think that mind reading is needed um I don't know that I want to actually make the claim that it is because I don't think that's true um well I think the the reality is a lot of people are especially when we're experiencing new types of relationships and experiences for the first time we're also learning at the same time how to actually communicate about those things or learning about ourselves. So all that is so complex that if we don't understand ourselves. It's probably not that easy for us to communicate about it. So one of the things I talk to students about is like, you know, raise your hand if you're a mind reader. There's always the one kid that's like, I am. And I'm like, that's so awesome. Um, if you can share a little bit with the rest of us later about how you've gotten so good at that, love to learn from you. But most of us are not, and I would challenge you to think, reconsider that probably nobody is. With that said, though, I can look around the room right now, and I can tell who didn't get a good night's sleep last night, mm-hmm. but I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't get a good night's sleep last night, but looking around the room, I can see who's dozing off. I can see who's maybe a little disengaged. I can see who didn't have, you know, the energy to to put on a dress and heels today, you know, whatever it is. Like, um, I don't know the why though. And um, I, I go through that with them because I, I teach the idea of verbal and nonverbal communication um, at the same time. So I'm like, we actually can perceive other people's comfort around things through verbal and nonverbal communication. Not all of us are going to have the skill set to be verbal. So it's actually our responsibility to also pay attention to other people's nonverbals. And I'll stand in front of the classroom and I'll have the class tell me how I should look when I'm comfortable. And then I'll have them tell me what I would look like um, if I was uncomfortable. And I kind of act that out. And then we take that to texting and stuff like that, too, because the reality is things are unfolding through our phones as well so I'm like okay like how do you know if someone's not that interested through text message um the word that comes up the most I'd say with that one is like they're like they're they're really dry (laughs) or something like that um sometimes somebody's silence is also a form of communication if we're starting to tune in to how different people might be communicating in different ways then that also opens up opportunity for us to think about what kinds of questions can we ask to gain clarity again all of this is stuff that I don't have the time to necessarily do such a deep dive on it's just like I I think about my job as a lot of seed planting Mm. um and giving them some food for thought and that hopefully it inspires them to do some more self-reflection or have conversations with people or do some of their own learning and or utilize um my clinic as a resource if needed too but kind of like you were saying a lot of us didn't get these types of conversations when we were as young as 12 13 years old so the sooner we start doing that as someone grows up the more we're bolstering people with a skill set to understand themselves and then communicate about themselves that's really boundary setting is it's like I understand myself and what my needs are and I'm able to share that with another person if our needs don't align, then 
neither person necessarily should have to sacrifice their needs if they're important to them. It's just maybe that is not the most compatible form of a relationship or something like that. With middle schoolers, I give an example. Um, This just like came out of my mouth one day. I didn't even really think through it, but I've used it more than one time because I'm like, they can laugh about it. Um, I'm always like, so if one person is like deathly allergic to peanuts and then another person is a peanut farmer (laughs) and they like live, laugh, love peanuts all day long and they're not willing to give up their peanut farm there's nothing that other person can do about the fact that they're deathly allergic to peanuts. So maybe that relationship is gonna, isn't going to work in the long term, even if they love each other. And that can be really hard. And I, that's like an extreme example. Um, but I try to bring that into it as like some boundaries we have are going to be non-negotiables. Some might be negotiables. When we do have a non-negotiable, that doesn't necessarily mean somebody should have to sacrifice or give something up in order to make it work. And again, and withholding judgment from that too, because somebody might look at a situation and be like, well, that person should should change this, this, and this, because obviously it matters to you. Well, it's like, yeah, that, that maybe would be nice if that person could do that, but maybe they shouldn't have to. Maybe they should find someone that is more aligned to what what their needs are like or what what their like um default is like yeah I love that you brought this up because this is somewhere I really want to go with this conversation too um this idea of like my boundary is your instruction set sort of a thing like for example like I like the hand holding like I'm telling you don't hold my hand and that person's gonna like and now the implication is that person needs to like obey the instruction I've just given them versus this idea of like I'm going to set up a situation for myself where my boundary isn't going to be violated I know this is like this is contextually dependent there are of course things that are just like hard like as you said non-negotiables hard no's like if a person does this I'm done sort of a thing um mm-hmm. like you know room for nuance here but I, I think a good example again a super abstracted version is like if I have a friend who has a propensity to kick me in the shins I'm probably going to have a lot less success telling them to not kick me in the shins than I am if I start wearing shin guards um mm. And it would, as you're saying, and and that's a kind of a violent example, so it might not translate well, um, but sort of like you're saying, it would be really nice if people would change and, and do the thing that made us the most comfortable. Oftentimes that's kind of a hard ask, but there are things maybe I can do to accommodate myself within this, like I guess with the um, the peanut allergy person and the peanut farmer which I love that example um I agree with you they don't seem very compatible but instead of asking the peanut farmer to give up the farm um maybe the person with the peanut allergy brings an EpiPen you know I'm not again they're not very compatible but I I think there's something to this idea of like boundaries is something I'm doing for myself rather than boundaries are something that I am doing by way of giving you an instruction manual and an associated punishment 
like a consequence mm. associated. Like um, if you do X, Y, Z, I'm going to X, Y, Z, I think is often how we think of boundaries. Like if this person does this thing that violates my boundary, I'm going to not text them back. I'm not going to see them this weekend or, you know, whatever the thing is. Sometimes that's a good way of handling things. Sometimes it's not. But what do you think of that idea of like, I guess, like the shin guard <laughs> sort of analogy? No, that's a, I think it's a good thought. And again, it's going to be very contextually dependent. Totally. Um, I think that kind of goes back into the like, is this something that might be out of my comfort zone, but I'm willing to be a part of versus is this something that triggers me in some way, doesn't feel safe for me, is pushing me to the brink in some way or is completely disregarding or disrespecting me. I think there's layers, or not layers, but like, um, again, like this idea of fluidity to that, that there might be some circumstances where, you know, like when you love someone, sometimes you're willing to make some of those sacrifices. Like, okay, I'll, I'll bring the shin guards along because it, it, it it's worth it to me for this other person. But I think there's a level to where if, that that communication is happening that like you know like I don't like this that much and it's it's harming me and that's not being received or reciprocated then that might be a warning sign that that person might be a pushy person and might escalate their behavior over time as well and sometimes like at what point maybe are the shin guards not going to do the trick anymore you know? Yeah. So I think, I think that that's like a fine line to walk. And I think it's, again, like when you, you love somebody and you care for somebody a lot, you want to make them happy. You, you might give, you know, give certain things up in order or make certain sacrifices and for the sake of the relationship. Um, some people might look in on that and be like, you know, why would you do that? um that doesn't make sense that's a reflection on that person's values as well like having that type of those we all offer our own lenses on things so that's one of the great things about community is we can kind of like bounce ideas off of each other or get insight from a third party about or like someone who really knows us very well be like well I thought this was really important to you are you letting that go why um Sometimes that can be really helpful. Sometimes that's also just other a projection of another person's own own roadmap onto us. And so that's why this idea of like trusting your gut is so important because we have to learn how to trust ourselves. Everybody is going to have a different version of what they think is best, ultimately. And obviously, again, like we have like our extreme scenarios where we can pretty all, much all unanimous, unanimously agree like mm, that wasn't great. Or that was really messed up. But um, I think when you bring boundaries back to skill, what they really look like day to day and like active relationships and friendships, you'd probably get find a diversity of opinions when you go to go to different people about like a certain situation. Yeah, well, <laughs> that just makes me think, do you remember when we were in like middle school and after school, we would watch um, What Would You Do With John Quinones? Yeah, and I've actually referenced that with my students. Have you? That's amazing. <laughs> I do. I taught them who who he was, and then I had um, 
like in my program, like we do social media sometimes. And they did a, it's actually on boundaries. They did a boundary video of what would you do reenactment. And it was the scenario they, they chose was like your friends calling you really, really late because they're going through something. They want to talk it through, but you have a big test the next day. And like, they're not listening to you when you're saying like, can we talk about this another time? And they kind of worked out, like they did a little, um, reenactment role play type of thing going through that like how do you say an assertive no when something really matters to you with someone you really care about um really challenging and they used um John Cunyonis for that which I thought was oh my God, a plus the best the best <laughs> I'm sorry I totally like lost the thread of the conversation but I had that memory and I had to share it because I totally remember watching that with you and it is like it's so true everybody's gonna look at the same thing so differently and and I think one thing that your comments really capture for me is just the messiness of it all particularly like when you say you know maybe something that used to be important to you really isn't anymore like I think that's something I I would love to hear what you talk about with um, your students or what you talk about even with your friends or just with yourself in that respect because I think that asserting a boundary initially can sometimes be so challenging that if that boundary changes, um, I think like communicating that that boundary has changed might also be really complicated. Um, Like for example, the hand holding, like I don't want you to hold my hand. Okay, maybe now I'm okay with it. Understandably, the person who wants to hold hands might be a little confused or a little unsure. Maybe they're like, okay, like I... No, you're saying you're okay with it. So I kind of want to hold your hand, but I'm not really sure that you're actually okay with it because before you were so adamant that you weren't like, there's just this layer of messiness there when it seems like you're almost like walking it back, but you're really not. You're just adapting to a change in emotional circumstance. How do you navigate sort of that, that changing landscape of, of, of your boundaries and your comfort level? Um, I think again, in the definition of a boundary, when we're talking about like relational boundaries, we have to understand them as things that can change over time, Um, change based upon who's involved, where it's happening, and when it's happening. Like all of these different things can impact what a boundary looks like what our boundaries are today might be radically different five years from now. Part of that is just, just living life, growing up, learning about ourselves, being open to new things. But I think ultimately when it comes to like a boundary change and communicating that with another person, one of the big fundamental pieces of that is ultimately trust. And if trust is there and, and actively worked for within a relationship, that conversation can happen then of like, okay, so it seems like you're more open to this now. Like, can can we talk about like reset the boundaries? Like there's going to be new boundaries within that boundary, right? Like maybe for the person in the situation you're saying is like, well, I, I want to make sure, like I, I do want to hold your hand, but I want to make sure that it's not going to, that I'm not going to do anything wrong. So what can we, how can we figure out like, in the moment like is this something that's still okay with you or not like what how can how will you be telling me that kind of a thing or like 
yeah, based on like this person's history of behavior, they don't tend to flip flop a ton. So I can really trust what they say versus someone who maybe day to day, and it's totally allowable for day to day things to change. For some people, they can roll with that. For some people, that might be hard to follow. But um, is this person consistent? Or are they a little bit more inconsistent? Does that work for me? Does that not? How does that contribute to trust being able to thrive in a relationship or not? Is it is it, and all of this is is it is it mutual or is it one sided? Um, I would say like in most circumstances, if something is one sided and not mutual, it's normally a, a warning sign of something. Depending on what it is we're talking about, that's a one sided experience. Yeah, I think one thing that I I like about that framing of it is treating it as like an interpersonal collaborative process um in a way obviously like in that example like with a partner that you're that cares about you and you're you have that built up network of trust it's a lot easier to be treating it collaboratively than with somebody you don't really know so well or maybe don't have that trust with um and I really like that because again when we're talking about lowering the stakes a little bit um that to me kind of interrupts this idea of consequences because I think that that's something that I find really interesting around boundaries because it feels like in order for a boundary to really exist there has to be this consequence like if you do this I'm going to do this and maybe the consequence is going to affect the person who has violated the boundary like if you do xyz thing I'm going to ghost you now that person's being ghosted that's your punishment um, or maybe it's if you continue to have this conversation with mm-hmm. me that I'm not comfortable with, I'm going to walk away. And maybe as the person asserting the boundary, that's a consequence I'm going to experience by having asserted the boundary. And and that can be really um, painful because that can sometimes be like a little fissure in a relationship or, you know, something like that. Like it just feels like there's this inherent necessity that there be a consequence in order for the boundary to really be solid like a boundary is a brick wall um it's not a suggestion it is this like firm thing and if this then this um and I like this idea that I I think there are times where that is really valuable um to say like my boundary is non-negotiable my boundary is not a suggestion I'm not discovering it in this moment it is existed all along and now you are coming to learn what's going to happen if you try to run into my boundary here but I like opening up this space for there to be a way of enforcing boundaries that isn't consequence-based and is more collaboration-based it's more iterative but I don't think that that makes it less powerful Mm -hmm. I don't think that that necessarily I think on it. one hand it's like why don't we approach one another with more curiosity you know and I think you know totally where's why do we have such a lack of tolerance a lot of times to understand another person and where they're coming from and I also think like based on what you're saying a consequence often has a negative connotation um but it's not always a negative thing. And so depending on who you ask, a consequence might actually be a really positive thing within a situation. Sometimes a boundary could be like, if this thing happens, then this. And, you know, I think everybody has 
that's a self-respecting thing to do to say like you know what like because of this what happened here I need to remove some of your access to me because I don't feel emotionally safe with you anymore sometimes the consequence itself is it's actually is the actual impact where somebody does not feel um emotionally safe or secure with a person or they feel closed off and so the consequence basically I guess the idea is like the burden of responsibility does not fall on one person or the other there is this collaborative piece to all of this right and so sometimes you know the burden I mean almost the way you frame that was like the person that needs to set the boundary is going to like throw out these consequences whereas actually it's like well the person who maybe crossed the boundary is going to be the one that actually absorbs the consequence or may, may dish that out in some way like it's it's the burden of responsibility is actually really shared um and if we're teaching young people and all people the skills to to communicate to read nonverbal communication, to ask questions, to not be shy, to answer the questions, to be able to say, I don't know, I need time to think about it. All of these types of things, if we're like actually teaching that skill set, then we're empowering people to actually do that hard work. And that work stops being hard over time. That work typically is hard when we don't know how to do that. We don't understand ourselves or the person that we're doing that work with is not receptive to it or making it hard. Um, that doesn't mean it's ever like just easy because often these things are also vulnerable. And again, like you, they're, it's layered with all these emotions uh, about care and support for another person, but it doesn't, it shouldn't always have to be challenging. And I think that is improved when there is a sense of collaboration or like, I, I'm actually interested in you. I want to understand you. And then that, and then that person has the right to evaluate. Like, does that work for me? And what I'm looking for, what my needs are, what my, what I'm, who I am. You know, um, all of that's important. Yeah, I love looking at it with curiosity because it is so true. I think part of the pressure that I have felt personally around boundaries and and my struggle with figuring out what even are my boundaries. Like, if I'm having this experience of trying to listen to my intuition, and that is. Uh, an experience that's requiring a lot of curiosity and I think that eases some of the pressure to think about it in this this lens of it's okay that I don't have the answers it's also going to be contextually dependent and I'm just going to have to really be tapping in in these variety of experiences to know what's going to feel good to me and and this makes me think of um I don't know if I ever told you about like the yellow flags did we ever talk about that I'm not sure Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> I went to this talk that I thought was really interesting, and there were a few speakers, and, and one of them, um, I think she was a, a sex therapist. I think that was like her actual job title. I, I wish I could remember her name right now, but I can't. Um, anyhow, she talked about like sort of this, again, the buzzwords sort of a thing. We have all the buzzwords around red flags and green flags and everything. And um she was talking about the red flags being like the hard nose, like, I know this isn't okay, hard no. Um, and the green flags being like, yep, let's go. Um, but then yellow flags, she had this really interesting framing of like things that are maybe 
a little off, but teach us something about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the example she gave might be a little bit <laughs> extreme. It's it definitely wouldn't work for your middle schoolers. Um, but she talks about like, if I have a boyfriend and my boyfriend is cheating on me and disrespecting me and, and you know, disrespecting the monogamous agreement that we have. Um, but that turns me on a little bit. <laughs> the yellow flag comes in there because it's like, okay, this is something that I kind of don't like, but there is part of me that likes it. And she's saying like, that's a moment where you kind of pause, take inventory. You think, why is this something that I like? Why is it something I don't like? What are, as you said, like the values behind this, maybe that's something you tease out in therapy. Maybe it's something you just marinate on personally. And then that kind of curiosity process can teach you how to proceed. Like maybe you get to the point where you're like, okay, like the part of me that liked this was the part of me that thinks that I'm not deserving of respect. And that's the part that I'm not going to listen to. So I'm going to treat this as a red flag and as a hard no, even though there was part of me that liked it. And you could also then do the converse and say like, maybe um, the part of me that didn't like this was the part of me that was really insecure about um being loved and now I'm like digging into this a little bit more and I realize that I can work on my security while engaging in um my like self-security while engaging in an open relationship and so then maybe you treat it as a green flag and then you open up the relationship like there's a variety of ways you can handle it but when you look at this yellow flag it kind of forces you to step into that space of observation and um I think that's it's just I think a way of looking at the as you put it, negotiable boundaries and figuring out what the value behind the, that boundary is. Like, why is it giving you these sensations of either rightness mm-hmm. or wrongness? And then what are you going to do about yeah, it? Yeah, I think um, I would I would say like a vast majority of our boundaries are actually probably going to fall in the yellow flag category. Um, we Again, we're actually thinking about we're, we're acting on boundaries often throughout our day-to-day lives to the point that we're not really cognizant of the fact that we're doing any work with boundaries um the times where boundaries come up for us and we have to think about them are probably when they fall in the more yellow flag category or when we have a red flag thing that was definitely crossed kind of a thing I don't know it's interesting one thing that I was thinking about a little bit while you're talking about that is how teaching about this and working with young people around these topics really makes me have to do a lot of this type of reflection work on myself. And also me as a role model or mentor is in, I am imperfect and I do not always follow through on my own advice. And that's also its own learning process, which also helps me relate or like teach about it in other ways. Cause it's like, I'm not the most assertive person and I sometimes am afraid to bring things up in conversation um, and communicate about things and I had to really hype myself up for those types of things right but um, one thing I really appreciate about this type of role I've been lucky to have the past two years is like it makes me have to walk the talk a little bit or I like call myself out when I'm like I let like maybe this more yellow flag thing fully slide what am I going to do about that do I have to do something about that what are the impacts on me if I do or don't you know um and also kind of release a little bit of some of that that like 
we don't have to be so obsessive over each and every one of these things. Like we, we can just kind of like take them as they come. It's a part of growing up. So boundaries are not always things that we have to agonize over so much. And sometimes it's important to tease it all out. And sometimes it's like, maybe I don't want to do the work to understand that part of myself. It just is. And that's also okay. I love that so much. And um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I love how you're calling it like a mutual learning situation and that this work is impact, impacting you in this way. And that it's, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's just funny for me because like you're my older sister and I always think that you have all the answers. So I can only imagine what your students think of you. Um, Like I'm sure they think that you've got it all figured out and it's just encouraging because you're right. It is a part of growing up and like, obviously like you're just learning about yourself for the first time. <laughs> like you're, you're only living this life for the first time right now. So um, figuring it all out is just part of the experience and and it's hard and it's messy and sloppy and it's and important it never and, ends it's, and it never ends <laughs> there's a life cycle we're talking about here so there's going to be new things introduced into our lives all the time forever and ever and ever again like really bolstering ourselves up now and connecting ourselves in that way now sets us up to have a better or easier time communicating about these things later and also kind of knowing like when the stakes are higher I'm gonna be able to show up for that moment for myself um or for another person that's this is like it's a good time to kind of like do some self-reflection every once in a while think about things when you know that you have that date coming up like you know think about these things ahead of time a little bit so when you're in this situation, it's kind of like your body knows a little bit more how to trust itself and what to do, um, yeah. you know, and that doesn't mean it's going to go smoothly every time. Yeah. So we can have a little bit of grace and forgiveness for ourselves too. Yeah. And, and I think um, depending on the people and depending on the context, I think grace and forgiveness is a really important thing to put externally and internally because um, especially with, and I, I think with friendships in particular, with family members, with these sorts of relationships that are, um, feel a little bit more permanent sometimes, um, yeah. and with the people we really love and trust, like, again, remembering, like, everybody is attempting to do no harm, but we are human beings, so we will inevitably harm each other, and sometimes that's okay, and sometimes we can move on from that with that grace and forgiveness, and, um, and that empathy. Yeah. I think that's a really healthy way to look at it. And it's in no way like a bulldozing. People can just do anything they want to me. It's like, I can forgive this person and also provide more guidance for how this is going to be a healthier, successful relationship moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a beautiful place to wrap things up. Um, I did want to ask you, like, if you had one thing that you could share with your students, with your friends, with my friends, with just anybody in this time in our lives where we're figuring this out for the first time, and it's so confusing and overwhelming, if you could have, like, one take home, what would you want to share with your students? One take home? You know, 
I'm opening up something right now because I I've made a handout for this. <laughs> you did your homework. You came ready for the pod. <laughs> uh, well, because I have a lot of especially I, I made this for middle schoolers. I worked with um a specific group of middle schoolers a lot. Um, got to know mm. them really well and they really wanted, you know, my advice for what what they should think about going to high school. Um so I, I came up with a list of 10 things. Oh, I have this one. I saved this one and my intention, and I totally forgot. And I'm so glad you reminded me because I'm going to do it, was to print it out and put it on my wall because <laughs> um, I <that's>, loved it. <laughs> well, I'll, I, I'll read to you um, what I said on there because I think it kind of encompasses a lot of these things. Um, and some of them are just my personal life lessons. So I'll read them to you. You'll hear some of the things I spoke on are listed here. Um Number one is you always have choices. I emphasize that with uh, my students all the time. Like you, you always have a choice in a situation. Um, sometimes we might be in a situation where our choice is taken away from us. So that's different. Um, I'm talking more like um, lower stake things there. Like you always have a choice on, on how you are going to behave and what you're going to do. Um, number two, kindness and honesty can exist at the same time. Um, that's hugely important. Number three is about learning to trust your gut and your intuition. Number four is you're allowed to say no. Number five, practice communication. This means sharing about how you feel, which, yes, can sometimes feel vulnerable, but it is actually a strength. That's something I personally still work on. Number six is identify your values and Keep people in your inner circle who honor your values and don't make you compromise your boundaries. Um, choose who you want to surround yourself with wisely. So again, like that's really for, you know, the transition to high school, friend groups, and how we want to be influenced, what our goals are, who helps support us on that path versus who takes us away. Um, number seven, sometimes our best learning about what is important to us comes from experiences we have while growing up. So be patient with yourself and remember that if something isn't feeling right, you can make a change or know better for the future. Um, again, we don't always have the opportunity to make a change in the moment or we don't always know. It's that reflection work later that leads us to that. Number eight, like don't let other people's negativity or mean words stop you from reaching your goals. While people's words can affect us in big ways or live in our heads for a long time, try not to let it become your story. Maybe you can find motivation to be the person you want to be by focusing on your strengths and knowing in your heart what you bring to the table. Be careful with your own words as well and be the person that always chooses to build other people up. Number nine, as you grow up, there will be all sorts of new influences in your life that may make you question who you are or who you want to be. Try to do something every day that reminds you of your values apart from all of these outside influences. Always remember that you don't have to change who you are to be on trend or be accepted by others. The right people will appreciate exactly who you are. And my last one, I this is one that I make um, students do like a call and response um, with me on. It's you deserve respect and you have the responsibility to show that same respect to others. So the call and response is what do you deserve? Respect is what they would say. And what do you have the responsibility to do? 
respect others. I really drill that in. So by the end of like, whether I'm with a class for like an hour or a few weeks, um, I try to make sure that I, the one of their key takeaways from me is that they as individual human little beings deserve to be respected by their peers, adults in their life, strangers, whoever. Um, and because they deserve that, they have to understand that everyone around them also deserves that, um, which makes it their responsibility to be that person for other people. And that means we may not understand another person, but we still have to respect them. Um, there's a whole lot more than one thing, but I think they're all intertwined. So that's good. They are, and they were all perfect. And I'm so, so glad that you thought to share it because I think it's gorgeous. And I'm going to have you send me the handout so I can put it <laughs> sure. up on the Instagram it's too. Miss Samantha's advice for high school and beyond. <laughs> that's how it's framed. Well, Miss Samantha... <laughs> I respect you and I love you. (laughs) Love you too. Thank you for having me to talk about these things. This is like, yeah, my world all the time. So it's fun to get to talk about it. Well, it's a better world because you're in it and you're doing this. So thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Soul Soup. I'll be back in two weeks, and until then, I hope you feed your soul.